Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello and welcome to One Up Delivered Through the AI podcast channel. I'm your host as usual, Guy, and joining me is Carl. How you doing, Carl? Not too bad, Guy. How about yourself? I'm good. I'm good. I, I, I'm I'm back to blanket and heater weather. I'm probably it's probably the same for you over in Ireland as well. It's a bit nippy over here. Yeah, it's definitely getting chillier, which I'm kind of glad of because it makes it easier to sleep at night. That's a good point. That is a good point. But we are not here to talk about the weather. Um, albeit what we are here to talk about was a bit uneventful, so we might end up on the weather just out of boredom. Um, but we are here to talk about the Tokyo Game Show, but we'll get into that in a bit. We'll do the news first, because there has been a... Must have been two or three weeks since we last did a show, and there's been a, a couple acquisitions and other stuff. Um, so we, we'll do the news as usual. Carl, do you want to take us through the first news story you've simply put in just just to justify you playing this game? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Marvel's Avengers is coming to Xbox Game Pass this week, and this comes from Dalton Cooper over at Gamerant, and Dalton writes... Last year, Square Enix and Crystal Dynamics launched Marvel's Avengers, a live-service game starring some of Marvel's most popular heroes. Marvel's Avengers has struggled to maintain an audience since its launch, but it's set to get a massive influx of new players. It's been announced that Marvel's Avengers is coming to Microsoft's Xbox Game Pass service in a matter of days, launching on Thursday, September 30th. So obviously that's already passed. Marvel's Avengers will be playable through Xbox Game Pass on PC, cloud and console, and it includes all of the major post-launch content that has been released for the live service game so far. This lets players not only play through the base game story for Marvel's Avengers and its multiplayer modes, but also the new hero episode starring Hawkeye and Kate Bishop. As if that weren't enough, the Marvel's Avengers Game Pass debut also includes the recently released war for wakanda expansion basically those that play marvel's avengers through xbox game pass will be getting a nearly complete experience they won't be able to access the playstation exclusive spider-man content when it releases later this year but otherwise they should be able to look forward to all future content updates hitting the xbox game pass version of the game and you can get the full story over on game rant so what's your thoughts on this guy? Do you think it'll inject some new life into the game? No. <laughs> I think people... <laughs> I think it'll get a, a, a sudden boost in player base, as the article suggests. Um, but I don't I don't think it'll revive the game at all, no. I, don't, I just... 
unless it's had a massive jump since I played a year or so ago, I, I just can't. I can't imagine it fixing the game because, well, we've we've been over this a few times. It just everyone feels samey. The characters aren't defined. Maybe it's different now with uh, uh, Hawkeye and, and and others joining uh, Black Panther, etc. But I, I just, yeah, I, I just don't think it'll fix a game. I think it'll have, as I say, I think it'll have an influx of new players who who may just put, who may play through the story and stuff like that. But I I I think when you when a game is a game with a service, it's about concurrent players. It's about people always playing the game, and I don't, I don't think it'll be like that. I think it'll be almost similar to Outriders, where I think as soon as people finished it, it kind of died a quick death. Um, so yeah, it won't surprise me if there's a a jump in people finishing the game, which is which is obviously a certain level of success, but I don't think it'll fix the keeping players about um, problem. Yeah, yeah, I certainly see your point. I mean, you might get some, you're going to boost the new players' numbers, but that doesn't mean those players are necessarily going to stick around, yeah, particularly exactly. if they're players that are coming from other live service games, such as your, your likes of your Destiny or The Division or whatever the case might be. Um, they, they might just kind of dip in and out, and obviously that's that's not what's needed uh, to, to save the game, but... I mean, it, it's kind of a a sign of how things have gone for the Avengers that it's, it's come into Game Pass. And I know someone might point out to me and say, well, Destiny 2 has been in Game Pass, but Destiny 2 at a base level has been in Game Pass. It's never included the expansions. And the mm-hmm. idea obviously there is to get you in and get you to buy the expansions. But it's pretty, pretty telling here that they're giving you the content for free on top of the game in in Game Pass, so they're you know bar whatever Microsoft is paying them up front for the to get the game on Game Pass, they're not going to be really making any money out of this uh, aside from maybe some um, obviously microtransactions and uh, maybe maybe that's their game and maybe that's where they're they're trying to get in with this. Yeah, microtransactions, but again, unless they've added a lot more. When when I was playing, most of the skins weren't that great, and yeah, I can't remember how it worked exactly because it was a year ago. I'm a pretty forgettable game for me, but it just I don't think microtransactions will will fix stuff like that. But I suppose well, it depends how long it is in Game Pass. I suppose if it's only on for a, for a handful of months, if people want to buy it, may they may buy it on. I'm not sure what the price is nowadays, but. I think you get an extra ten or fifteen percent off on Game Pass as well, so maybe at a cheaper price, people may buy it as as a permanent fixture. But th- this has been long rumored to be in Game Pass. I, I think I said after I completed, I think this is the perfect Game Pass game. I think it's not the best game, but it's fun for a for a bit of a week, regardless of how disappointed I am. It was quite fun. Um, so yeah, I think it makes perfect sense in Game Pass, and I think. I think it can help salvage somewhat of the game, but I just don't think it'll ever get to the success it was meant to be when when it was announced that Square Enix are getting an Avengers game on, on the back of um, Endgame and, and uh, Infinity War. It, it just, it's nowhere near the, the movie product and stuff like that. So, But yeah, I, th- I think it'll get a lot of players. And as you say, I think I think Destiny did have a few DLCs in the in-game pass. I might be wrong. Um... But yeah, all of the content and all of the 
presumably new content that's coming out as well. That that's a bit a bit uh, a bit strong, but yeah, maybe they just want the player base and see if they can salvage anything from the game. Yeah, it'd be, it'd be interesting to see what effect, if any, it, it has. And I'm sure we'll see kind of a, a follow-up news article to this in the, the coming weeks to, to kind of suggest what impact Game Pass has had uh, for new players and, and indeed concurrent mm-hmm. players. It'd be interesting to, to take a look at that down the road. So I'll do the next news story, Cal. Um, I won't leave myself on mute and read the whole story this time. <laughs> Oh, what a knobhead. Um, Netflix acquires Oxenfree developer Night School Studio. <clears throat> this is from Polygon by Nicole Carpenter. Netflix has acquired Oxenfree developer Night School Studio. The company's announced to, on Tuesday the game studio, known for its branching narratives, will create original games for the streaming platform's nascent foray into video games. Night School Studio founder Sean Crankle said in a blog post about the acquisition that the company will continue working on Oxenfree 2 Lost Signals, which is currently expected to launch in early 2022, I should say, on a Nintendo Switch, PS4, PS5 and Windows PC. As the first game studio to join Netflix on this new project, said Crankle, Night School wants to stretch its narrative and design aspirations across distinctive original games with heart. Crankle added, Our explorations in narrative gameplay and Netflix track record of supporting diverse storytellers was such a natural pairing it felt like both teams came to this conclusion instinctively. Night School Studio actually has a past with Netflix as it reportedly worked on a Stranger Things game with Shuttered Studio Telltale Games. The Night School game was slated for release during Stranger Things' third season, according to a report from The Verge, and was created to bridge the gap between Season 2 and 3. The project was never announced or cancelled, according to The Verge, and the game was evaporated after Telltale's surprise shutdown in 2018. Neither Netflix nor Night School Studio mentioned the, this project in its new releases. Um, so, Carl, I mean, we have a couple things to discuss. I don't think we've had chance yet to... Uh, jump into Netflix's foray into, into gaming because we may have it may have been one of our quiet periods when that was uh, rumored and now seemingly obviously becoming a more of a real thing. But also, uh, Night School Studio. I know Oxenfree is hugely popular, and I know a lot of people are looking forward to the sequel. I, I haven't played it myself, um, but th- this is this is quite big news because we've seen other big companies get into gaming recently and. May make more sense for Netflix to do stuff list like this, opposed to like your your uh, Amazons and um, other ones like that. So we'll start. We'll start with the actual news itself. What, what do you make of Netflix making this acquisition? Yeah. So I mean, uh, as you said, we we heard about their intentions to to step into game production um, in the the recent months. And we we knew obviously that acquisitions gonna were gonna be a part of that, but you know, given the the grab for studios we've seen in in recent times, you, you would have wondered who could they possibly get. And I, I think it's worked out well for them here getting Night School Studio on. I mean, it's a studio I'm familiar with. I actually played and completed Oxenfree recently. Um, and I also have dabbled with After Party, although I'm yet to, to finish that one. Um, 
but they're a talented studio. They, you know, they they certainly have a niche. You know, they they go for those kind of adventure games. You know, very narrative based. They're not gameplay heavy per se, but they are enjoyable experiences. And you know, they they often go for smaller games as well. They you know, since they started off with Oxenfree, they've kind of had a pattern of doing like a console game followed by a mobile-only game, followed by a console game. Their, their most recent game was mobile-only, and I think mobile seems to be a big part of Netflix's plans. We, we've seen that as part of their um, kind of beta testing on their, their game service, it's just a couple of mobile titles they have available so far. I think they're, that's just available in Italy and somewhere else. Um, so obviously, as mobile does seem to be a big part of that, so I think that's a a, a bonus that uh, Night School kind of offer both both kinds of of game, you know, but the smaller mobile titles and the the larger console titles. So I, I think it's a good fit. Um, it, it sounds like Netflix are going to be a bit more laissez-faire as far as how they allow these developers to go. I, I don't think we're suddenly going to see night school studio games taken off consoles i think they'll, they'll still be there and they, they'll likely be on this this netflix gaming service as well so i think this is what you want to see we, we you know it, it's preferable in my view than say microsoft picking up night school studio and then suddenly their game's been exclusive to one platform i think we have enough exclusives so I, I, this is the preferable scenario in my view yeah, I'd, I'd I'd agree with that. I think when when these indie indie games do do get a huge fall, like an Oxen Free or something like that, it, it I haven't really experienced it myself. But let let's say people who really enjoyed um, Senua's Sacrifice, people won't be able to play the well if it's either a, a direct sequel or reimagining or whatever the hell um, the new one's going to be. But yeah, it, it, it's just kind of it. Almost soul destroying if it's a game you really love that will just kind of be taken away from your preferred platform. So yeah, I'm happy for people who get, who enjoyed Night School's games. Um, but in terms of Netflix coming into the gaming sphere itself, I, I think it does make sense because I mean, when it was, didn't they? They used to have not as an online server. But they used to have games, didn't they? When it was like a a mail delivery system. So it was more like Blockbuster back in the day. I'm pretty sure they used to postage out games. I might be wrong, but I, I think so. When they were you, you similar to uh, was it Love Disc? Love so it was Disc was kind of a rival service oh, yeah. um, that you could you could get either films or games from mm-hmm. them. So it's um, or Love Film, I think it might have been. That was, but it. Um, yeah, they, like I, I think that is something they they did um, offer in the past. So they do, they do kind of have that uh, loose past, let's mm. say, in 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 video games. So it does make sense in in that way. Um, I mean, when you look at it on the flip side, how much success they've had recently with with bringing you know video game influenced yeah. kind of film and and tv shows to their platform with the likes of castlevania which we've both waxed lyrical about on on this very show and um other things like their their dota 2 animation anime and um dragon's dogma and other things like that and and even the witcher while technically it's based on the books 
let's be honest, they wouldn't be doing a Netflix series if it wasn't for the popularity of the games. So uh, I think there's a there's a big big influence there on on video games in in terms of on on recent success for Netflix. So it's it's interesting and, and it makes sense in a way that they try and go the reverse and bring their content into video games and it's not completely new i mean as the, the article touches on there was that cancelled project with, with telltale for a stranger things game and, and that's a real shame because i think a telltale game would have been a, a great fit for stranger things and we did also have that little um kind of retro inspired stranger things game that that came out previously it wasn't too well received, but but nonetheless, they, they tried their hand there. So uh, I do think it's a move that, that makes sense. And But I do think, you know, it'll be... I, I don't think Netflix are suddenly going to rise up as another EA or mm-hmm. Activision. I think it'll be largely kept on the, the small side, you know, kind of mobile games and smaller titles that, that make sense on a, a streaming service. You might get the odd kind of triple a title that they'll they'll kind of bring in an external developer to do for them um for some of their properties uh you know maybe get a triple a stranger stranger things, things yeah. title or um trying to think what else squid Ga- well not squid squid game is not netflix is it uh, black mirror maybe yeah there there's there's certainly options there that, that you know for properties that would make sense as a video game so i think i think we we can expect at least a few triple a titles but i don't think that would be the focus yeah i think i think the foreign gaming it just i think it's just the next evolution i think there was rumors they might be making like a, a streaming service like a, like a twitch or a youtube gaming as well that might have been just more in the land of rumors than anything um but yeah, it's a, it's a very, I don't know, the gaming market. I, d- I don't think it's it, it's it it doesn't have a ceiling. That's probably what I'm saying. So I think any of these big companies can join. Um, so yeah, it'll be interesting to see how far Netflix go into it. Really, um, do you want to take us through the next news story, Carl? Yeah. So PlayStation Studios acquires Manchester-based Fabric Games, and this comes from Tom Phillips over at Eurogamer. And Tom writes, "Fire Sprite, the large Liverpool-based team based brought, sorry, the large Liverpool-based team bought by PlayStation earlier this month has expanded further with the acquisition of Fabric Games. Fabric will now become part of Fire Sprite and boost its overall headcount up to 265." Firesprite was formed from the remnants of Sony Liverpool, which PlayStation shut down back in 2012. Now it has quietly grown to become one of the largest development teams in the UK and has found itself back as a first-party studio. The addition of Fabric's team to Firesprite makes a lot of sense. The former was spun out of Firesprite by its boss to develop indie games, though ended up working with Firesprite on its recent project, The Persistence. Quote, I'm delighted to announce that we will be bringing Fabric Games and Firesprite together as part of our exciting next step with PlayStation Studios, end quote, Firesprite boss Graham Anchor said today. Quote, they are a team of passionate and committed developers led by industry veterans who have worked on many AAA franchises. 
We're looking forward to bolstering our creative talent as we continue on our journey to offer truly unique experiences for PlayStation fans, end quote. There's no word yet on what Firespite will work on next as part of PlayStation Studios. And you can get the full story over at Eurogamer. So, I mean, there's not a lot of news here. It's just really kind of an expansion on the the story we had on Firespite a couple of weeks ago in that it seems that kind of their partner studio has been folded back in and, and has also kind of joined the the PlayStation family, um, which just makes Firespite an even larger developer. I mean, that's the part that strikes me, you know, that there's this kind of large developer in the UK and yet, you know, while while we may have been aware of them, you know, we we weren't really aware of how big they they'd become until the the acquisition, which is in itself is 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 notable. Yeah, I mean, it's strange. I mean, it's good news for Sony, obviously, getting because I think we we mentioned a couple shows ago when when it might be the one they announced um, Fire Spray itself that Sony should be looking at well their their um, strategy seems to be expanding their all the studios they already have and adding to fire sprite it can't just it just goes to that um goes with that i should say so yeah i think it is strange because who who would you think of as the big uk ones rare um rock rockstar edinburgh isn't it um yeah i suppose rare um rockstar of course of of a big one of their bigger teams in in the UK, um, Playground Games. Are yeah, pre- pre- they're pretty massive. To be fair, obviously they have both the Forza. They have a team working on Forza Horizon and a team working on Fable. Um, Sumo Digital mm. is a, a fairly large. They have multiple teams working on all sorts. Um, they, they'd be kind of the like I think Media Molecule are more on the smaller side. Um, so I think they'd be kind of the largest. Uh, oh well, obviously Sony London would be reasonably sized as well, although not as large as Firesprite even. Um, but yeah, I, I think they'd be the the larger ones. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, it's, it's good for the UK gaming scene. I mean, obviously we a lot of famous ones like Lionhead, obviously as well. But uh, back in the day. Um, so yeah, it's it's good for the UK. Saying it's good for good for Sony, but I mean you're the um, you're we obviously got the next new story as well. You're, you're the PlayStation guy. I mean, do do you want to see the these teams that are famed for making smaller games or smaller game? Probably not right, but I'll say it for that because I can't think of a better word. But do do you think it's right they they get the chance to make bigger games? Because we have we have seen similar developments. I mean, maybe not the best, but Gorilla. Went from Killzone to um, Horizon Zero Dawn. Santa Monica went from making like God of War in its old format to, to the fantastic new one. So th- this is a particular pattern with Sony. It's giving trust in the teams that maybe don't ha- have the track record of doing something, but they sure as hell prove they're they're very capable of doing it. Yeah, I mean, I'm a fan of this approach. I, I think if a developer proves themselves with a, a successful game that if they want to, that they're given the opportunity to scale up. Not every developer is 
going to want to scale up. Some like having, you know, just a five, six man team and working on little projects. But there are examples, obviously, but, you know, we have one in the Sony stable in terms of Housemark, who obviously used to work on kind of smaller arcade titles and they've slowly scaled up. And then with, with um, Returnal, obviously, they had a bigger team and now it seems that they're likely scaling up again for whatever their their first project as, as a first party studio at Sony will be. Um, so I think when these teams want to scale up, they should be given the opportunity to do so and, and be, be given the chance to, to tackle larger projects if they've already proven themselves with, with smaller projects. So, I mean, obviously, the, the I haven't played the Persistence, but it, it seems to have a, a solid reputation. And so it, it's it's good to see that Firespot have this opportunity now that they, they apparently have a couple of products on the go. Perhaps with um, Fabric, they'll have a, a third project now and on the go in inside the studio. So it, it's a nice approach from from Sony trying to kind of build up rather than build out, so to speak. Yeah, and it, it certainly works. It, it, it looks like it'll continue to work. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see what uh, Fire Sprite uh, will make in the future with with a bigger team. But also interesting is the next news story: Sony buys Demon Souls remake developer Blue Point Games. <clears throat> you wrote this by Eurogamer from Ishrak Subhan. Blue Point Games has joined PlayStation Studios finally, <laughs> following Sony's acquisition of the developer. This is a big boon for PlayStation. Bluepoint Game is renowned for its exceptional remasters and ports, many of which are PlayStation titles. The developer's last project was the PS5 remake of Demon's Souls, which received high acclaim and 1.4 million sales at launch. It received similar praise for its PS4 remake of Shadow of the Colossus. Bluepoint had also brought first free Uncharted titles onto the PS4 as part of the Nathan Drake collection. But Bluepoint has bigger ambitions. In an interview with IGN, Marco Frush, president of Bluepoint Games, said, Our next next project we're working on is original content right now. We can't talk about what it, what that is, but the next step is in evolution for us. Our team is a very highly experienced team. The average experience among most people is about 15 years, and all of them come from original development. It's not like we're a bunch of developers that got trained up on making remasters and remakes. We have that original game development mindset in our hearts, and that's what we're ready now ready and finally ready for the sport of Sony to push forward and show what we can do and show what PlayStation can do. In a post on the PlayStation blog, head of PlayStation Studios Herman Hulse said, with each of its projects, Bluepoint has raised the bar on console-defining visuals and gameplay. And the studio's vast expertise in world-building and character creation will be a huge plus for future PlayStation Studio properties. Now, Carl, I mean, the only surprise here is this wasn't announced months ago. <laughs> um, when, uh, what was it, it was a PlayStation Brazil or someone like that accidentally leaked the picture. So this has obviously been in the works for a long time. Um, we, we've pretty much discussed this in the past. But a lot of our talking points from the last news story were Fire Sprite. We can kind of pass on to this, can't we? It's uh, it's interesting to see how Bluepoint do obviously fame for the remakes. But making original content. But, I mean, I've not played them myself because obviously they're, they're very PlayStation-centric. But... 
you, you just look at things like Demon Souls and uh, Shadow of the Colossus remake. They they look fantastic. Obviously the um, the founding idea of the games is obviously from from a fantastic source, but they still have to make the game. And when when you look at Demon Demon Souls was the most like best looking for a launch game. I think we've all agreed on that. So it'll be interesting to see what they do with original content, won't it? Yeah, I mean, Bluepoint are class at, at what they do. I mean, there's a lot of studios that are, are good at doing remasters and remakes, but Bluepoint take it to the next level. And we, we've we've talked about it in, in the past, so we're, we're not going to go down the, the same rabbit hole. But, I mean, they, they're a studio that you know are are capable of, of great things. And, and they're one that you've always kind of wanted to see do their own thing. And I mean, we, we talked about recently strong rumors that they were working on a, a Metal Gear Solid remake. Clearly that's not the, the case given this, they, they are focused on something new. And while the, the Metal Gear Solid fan in me is a little disappointed at that, because I, I can imagine what they would have came out with, you know, that would have been the, the definitive way to play Metal Gear Solid. At the same time, I'm glad we're going to get to see something new from them. And I'd wonder if it could be Demon Souls 2, because Sony do own that IP. I don't think From Software are ever going to make a, remi- a, a, a sequel for, for Sony. They're going to be focused on Elden Ring, Dark Souls yeah. and Elden Ring and... I think even if there is uh, another exclusive from from software for Sony, it'll probably be Bloodborne too, rather mm-hmm. than Demon Souls too. Yeah. But at the same time, it could be a, a completely new IP, um, which 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 would be even better to, to just let them at their, their their own thing, and you know maybe they don't have much in terms of a, a storytelling kind of department in in the development studio given that they they haven't had to do much in that area but i'm I'm sure they can they can hire in those areas and they may have well already done so um so i'm I'm just excited to to see what they they come up with really because uh, you know they as i said it, it can't be understated that they are a, or overstated rather that they are a fantastic studio yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, but as you say, we've kind of discussed this for months now, just without the confirmation, and obviously a lot linked in with the Fire Sprite stuff. So do you want to take us into our next um, news story? Yeah, so Nintendo categorically denies that a 4K Switch Pro is in development, and this comes from Sean Hollister over at The Verge, and Sean writes... It is rare for a big company to come out and categorically deny an entire report, but that's what Nintendo just did. The Japanese corporate entity issued a press release insisting Bloomberg's seeming revelation that Nintendo is pushing developers to build 4K resolution games for an upcoming but potentially cancelled, quote, Switch Pro, end quote, handheld, was entirely incorrect. Nintendo writes the report, quote, falsely claims that Nintendo is supplying tools to drive game development for a Nintendo Switch with 4K support, end quote, and insists that it's, quote, not true, end quote. Separately, it says that it has no plans for any new Nintendo Switch other than the slightly refined OLED model that'll be out next week. On Thursday morning, Zynga spokesperson Sarah Ross also denied the report, 
saying in a statement to Bloomberg and Kotaku, quote, to clarify, Zynga does not have a 4K developer kit from Nintendo, end quote. Zynga was the only developer named out of the 11 companies that Bloomberg reported receiving a 4K Switch development kit. Bloomberg appears to be standing by its report, which isn't much of a surprise. It comes from respected games slash tech industry journalists who have been extremely well sourced in the past, and this report is no exception. It cites anonymous employees at 11 different game companies, all saying they have a 4K Switch development kit. Following Nintendo's tweet, the publication simply added an additional line about Nintendo's denial, and you can get the full story over on The Verge. So obviously this relates to, to news that broke in the, the week in which we didn't do a show, in, in which uh, a Bloomberg exclusive suggested that there is a 4K switch on the horizon after all. I mean, a lot of people thought the OLED model would be a, a 4K model, but that, that wasn't the case. I mean... What's your take on, on this guy? Do you think, you know, could could it be that the new, next Switch has been cancelled for now or, or postponed? Or do you think just that Nintendo don't want to pull away focus from the OLED model that's launching next week? I think it could be a bit of both. I think you don't want to, when something like that breaks, you don't want to overshadow a new console coming out. But at the same time, maybe not cancelled because I think, obviously, a 4K Switch is probably what people want. Um but obviously, every everyone who's trying to buy the next gen consoles already know that the difficulties of trying to get a PS Five and an Xbox Series, whatever. Um, so I, maybe, maybe with the chip shortages um, around the world, maybe they've just postponed bringing making a new four K Switch. Obviously, I, I'm not sure the the exact spec of every chip and all that stuff, but maybe you just want to see how the launch of the OLED goes and then. Give it a year, give it eighteen months or whatever. Uh, people will. I mean, we went through the pricing strategy a few shows ago, didn't we? The handheld going up to a four K one. I think a four K one is like a full on console would probably make more sense. Where I think we we've said in the past, obviously, it's more of a secondary console for us. The four K one would probably be better as a home console, whereas the others more handheld. I'd, I'd probably say so. Maybe if they want to get not exactly into the the into the home console market, but maybe that's what they could market as more as rather than a a handheld thing. Yeah, I mean it's a difficult one. We've talked a lot about Switch models in in the past. You know, specifically when before the OLED was revealed, we we talked about it a couple of times on the news and. You know, at the time, the expectation would be that that would be a, you know, a more powerful switch that that supported 4K, and that we might even have a similar scenario to when the new 3DS came out, in in which certain games there's kind of a warning on the label that they they play better on the the new switch. Um, but obviously, that wasn't the case. They just brought out the OLED that has the obviously the better, slightly bigger screen and and improved battery life. But that that's not to say that that the you know any rumors that 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 um, persisted up until that point about a, a 4K switch being in the works were were untrue, and the, therefore Bloomberg's report wasn't even really a, a surprise to any of us that they kind of keep up on these things because I, I think we know there is a 4K switch somewhere. Um, 
you know, the, it's inevitable that we will get a, a new switch at some point. We just don't know kind of how close it is. And, you know, some people have been completely cynical with this denial and, and said they, they fully expect Nintendo to suddenly announce next summer that they're bringing out a new switch in the holiday season. And that a lot of people who went out and spent 350 euro, 300 pound, whatever the case might be for this new OLED model will, will be left burned um, by the fact that they, they spent their money on, on something that's already effectively been made redundant. Uh, I'm not sure I'm that cynical. I, I think maybe they'll, they'll, you know, it could be possible that the new switch has been delayed somewhat. And, you know, it could be, as you said, to do with switch, uh, parts shortages. It, it could also be that Nintendo just see how healthy the switch is going right now and, and think they don't need to put something new out any time yet um so maybe you know we we might be waiting till 2023 or or beyond before we see uh that the next switch but i think regardless of nintendo's denials there is a new switch in the works and we we will see it uh within the next few years yeah exactly exactly i think it'd be silly not to i think you're you you look at the PS5 and the the Xbox Series. I think 4K gaming is is becoming more and more normalised, and Nintendo don't want to be behind in that. Even if they are, even if they do market themselves differently in 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 terms of how how their consoles are seen. So yeah, I think give it a few years. I think people will be more than ready. Like even in terms of having a 4K TV in their homes and stuff like that. I'm not that's probably just the UK for me, but. Maybe worldwide it'll be more ready, and I'm not sure what it's like in America and in Japan, probably in the bigger markets. But yeah, in in the UK, I think 4K is probably becoming more and more common. So give it a few years, and yeah, I think it'll be the norm. So people will be ready for that. Um, we'll move on to our next news story. I'll do this one quickly. The Game Awards officially returned as a full-scale in-person event in December. Lovely. Jeff Keighley's annual end-of-year spectacular... Sorry, this is from Eurogamer by Matt Wills. Uh, Jeff Keighley's annual end-of-year spectacular, the Game Awards, is officially returning for more celebratory words, escapades and video games reveals on 9th of December. This year's show, in a bid to return to the glitz and glamour of previous pre-pandemic years, is planned to be a full-scale in-person event and will be held in Los Angeles Microsoft Theatre, Expect the usual mix of awards, world premieres and musical performances. Keeley has already confirmed the Game Awards Orchestra will be back on stage for another melodic turn, with the whole thing being streamed live for the viewing pleasure of all. Beyond that, there's little in the way of specifics regarding the 2021 show at present, but more details will be shared in the weeks ahead. Yay! Um, I think you'd probably agree that gaming... Uh, events. I mean, we've had obviously E three a couple months ago. Even the Tokyo Game Show, at, at, at Xbox shows, and all, all that. Jazz, they just don't feel the same. I mean, E three is obviously the biggest one. Um, but yeah, without crowds there, it's just kind of basically a, a PowerPoint presentation. Whereas when there's people there, it feels like a show, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, we've we've gone through. You know, a couple of E3s at this point. We've gone through a Game Awards. We've, you know, we recently had both a, a Gamescom and, and TGS, obviously, that we'll, we'll speak about later in the show. 
and they've all been remote and a lot of them feel soulless you know that i'm not you know some showcases are better than others some have have been a bit of fun you know i'm not not taking that away from them but i i think in terms of overall you know it's like the soul has been sucked out of these events and particularly something like the game awards it's an award show you want to crowd there you know you want you don't want to feel like it's just Jeff Keighley sitting in front of a camera. No, no disrespect to Jeff. Like he does a great job with these, these shows, but you know, I want to see him on a stage and I want to see the developers and the producers and all the, the voice actors, etc., going up to get rewards, giving their speeches. You know, I want that. I want the full experience. So it's, it's nice to know that, you know, there, there's kind of a light at the end of the tunnel and that finally the, the industry will be going back to, to some form of normality um, with the, the Game Awards in December. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I, I do look forward to it because obviously we had a bit of an E3 renaissance, but the Game Awards seems to be where the big, the big bigger announcements are now, so God knows what we'll get. Maybe, maybe people have been saving stuff for this, but we could probably see more of God of War, whatever Xbox has up its sleeve. Etc. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see what um, announcements are actually made there. Um, do, 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 do you want to do the next news story? Yeah, so Konami is set to revive Metal Gear, Castlevania and Silent Hill. And this comes from Andy Robinson over at Video Games Chronicle. That's according to publishing sources who spoke to VGC anonymously because they did not have permission to discuss their projects publicly. Konami's premium games output has slowed down significantly in recent years. The last new Metal Gear game was 2018's critically panned Metal Gear Survive, while the last mainline Castlevania release was 2014's Lord of Shadow 2. In the past decade, the company has arguably grown a bigger reputation for its pachinko gambling games than for its premium PC and console releases. However, following a restructure to the company's game development divisions earlier this year, Konami is now focused on bringing back its biggest brands to the premium game space VGC was told. The first of these titles will be a new Castlevania game, which sources described as a, quote, reimagining, end quote, of the series currently in development internally at Konami in Japan, with support from local external studios. There's been much speculation that Demon Souls studio Bluepoint could be working on a remake of Metal Gear Solid. However, VGC was told the series is actually being worked on by an external studio, Virtuous. Established in 2004, Virtuous is one of the largest game developers in the world and focuses on supporting development of major AAA games or bringing existing games to new platforms. The new project is currently in early development and multiple sources suggest it would be centered around fan-favorite entry Metal Gear Solid 3 Snake Eater rather than the original MGS. Konami also intends to release remasters of the original Metal Gear Solid games for modern consoles ahead of the larger project we understand. Finally, multiple Silent Hill games are currently in development at various external development studios as per an earlier VGC report from February. One of these products was outsourced to a prominent Japanese developer earlier this year, we were told. I didn't get the full story over at 
VGC. So Konami are back. Can 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 we safely say, guy? Well, it seems that way. I mean, this probably means more to you than me because I don't have a. I mean, we we saw the launch of the Pez replacement this week, which I believe it's the worst reviewed game in Steam history. So it's not a good start for Konami if it, if they are back. Um, yeah, obviously these are the three games I mentioned: Metal Gear, Castlevania, Silent Hill. You, you obviously, they all three of them mean more to you than me, but. I mean, whenever we've talked about PlayStation acquisitions and stuff like that, you've always mentioned PlayStation or even Xbox at certain times buying the Konami library, and you always seemed excited about it, especially PlayStation picking up because they are PlayStation games. Let's be honest. Does this almost does this news almost disappoint you because Konami's not made too many good games? I mean, that Metal Gear Survive and, and stuff like that. They've, they've made some of the worst games in, in recent history, let's be honest. So, what what does this mean to you? Is it almost disappointing? I think it's kind of a, a mixed bag. I mean, it, it, it's easy to summarise how Konami have been in video games kind of post-Metal Gear Solid Five. you know, because that was the, the, when Kojima left and it kind of went down from here from there. And, you know, you you can really break it down to, for the most part, their involvement has been, you know, kind of re-releasing their older titles on consoles, particularly Castlevania, starting with the, the, the Castlevania collection and then the Castlevania Requiem collection. And, you know, the, it's great to get those games on, on modern platforms, but at the same time, the collections, particularly Requiem, really bare bones it was basically just throwing the two games together and saying you know you can buy them for 20 quid they weren't really adding in any extras or anything like that now with the recently released castlevania advanced collection which i'm sure we'll we'll talk about more shortly with with uh tgs and and the nintendo direct and such um you know they, they did put a put a bit more effort into that that collection and, and there's kind of extras on there and it's it's better presented um other than that you know metagus survive was an absolute shit show uh the the latest contra title you know the long awaited revival of the contra series was again a shit show and then they released the um the kind of when we had the mini console craze of a few years ago, they released the the um the Turbo Graphics Mini, um or under different names depending on which region you're in, and that was reasonably well received for a mini console. But like it, it was really a focus on either kind of quick turnarounds on on kind of cheap sequels to their existing series or kind of just repackaging games they already had. There, there wasn't a lot of effort going in there. It, you know, we talked about this a few months ago with the Silent Hill rumors, you know, that, that they were licensing it. I think we were expecting two Silent Hill games, one supposedly from a Japanese developer and one from Blooper Team, which have, of course developed the, the medium, Layers of Fear and other survival horror games. Um, so it, it did seem even then that they're, they're trying to do more and they're, they're trying to, to scale up in terms of their development escapade somewhat. Um, and this obviously only adds to that with the, the 
the prospect of a, a Metal Gear Solid collection and a Metal Gear Solid 3 remake, as well as a, a new Castlevania game. But, you know, you're you're right in the way that this is Konami. It's It's not Sony. It's not Capcom. It's not Square Enix. They're not that well set up to develop games at the moment. And I, I think that's why, you know, we're, we're seeing it. It seems to be largely external. You know, this Metal Gear Solid 3 game has been handled by Virtuous. The new Castlevania game, while it, it looks like Konami are, are having some direct involvement, you know, reading between the lines, it seems to me like external studios will be handling the, the lion's share of the actual development. So... I think if they're making smart selections with their partners to work with on these products, there, there is some reason to be cautiously optimistic here. Yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see, because if, if Konami take it more seriously, obviously we don't know what level of game development that, that they could show. Um, and well, As you say, if they um, lend them out to other studios whilst also having influence it could be could be interesting I mean, and just on that uh carl i mean, i don't think you've got this note it obviously happened in the time we, we've seen um xbox do, do something similar with uh project dark and they've is it crystal night dynamics i think that they've got helping with uh, perfect dark it seems to be more commonplace now it's not a great look for xbox but uh, I wanted to wanted to mention that, and before I forget, uh, what, what what did you make of that news? If, well, if you did see it, yeah, no, I, I did indeed. It was it was striking because you know they they went to all this effort of putting quadruple to, yeah, to be a quadruple A developer, and yet they're having to link in with you know. And I, I know a lot of the people at the initiative came from Crystal Dynamics, so it makes sense in that way. Um, but nonetheless, obviously, they're, they're having to, to team up with them to, to complete the game. And um, that, to me, is a bit... I mean, at the end of the day, if if the game comes out and it's a hit, no one's going to even bat an eyelid at that fact. But it, it does seem on the face of it, you know, uh, uh, maybe a setback for, for Microsoft that they're their big studio wasn't able to, to handle the product on on their own and they've, they've had to outsource some of the work and, and collaborate with uh, with Crystal. But it's also interesting in a way because technically then that means a, a Square Enix studio is working on a an Xbox exclusive and, and that's not something you, you see every day. It is very strange. I mean, it may just be rumours as well. I mean, there's rumours like Xbox are... Looking to acquire Crystal Dynamics as well. I don't even know how that would work, but I mean, yeah, it's very strange. Xbox is weird, then it need to sort getting games out and not making themselves look daft. Um, but yeah, I just want to bring that up, and this this reminded me that. Um, but yeah, I mean, Konami. It'll, it'll be interesting to see um, if they can get up to Kojima levels of production. Maybe not so, but. Yeah, I hope they do make games because the fans of them free franchises in particular, it it'd be nice to get them games back to where they belong. But who knows? Who knows? Um, I'll do the last news story before we get onto Tokyo Game Show stuff and, and Nintendo stuff. Sony introduces game tries trials try PS Five games for a limited time from Push Square by Liam Croft. 
Sony has sent out a wave of emails that introduces a new feature for the PS5. Owners called Game Trials. Starting today, the firm is giving PS5 owners the chance to download certain first-party titles and try them out for free of charge for a limited time. The first two available games are Death Stranding, Director's Cut and Sackboy A Big Adventure. The fine print within the email explains that in order to activate a game trial, you'll need to head over to the PS Store and select Trial Option that that's labelled as Free. Death Stranding's Director's Cut will offer 6 hours of playtime, while Sackboy A Big Adventure has a 5 hour trial. The timer starts as soon as you trigger the download, so make sure you've got some time spare, otherwise you'll be wasted the opportunity. Accounts are limited to one game trial of each game, since game trials are limited to PS5 titles. The PS4 version of Sackboy A Big Adventure doesn't qualify for the free test. Your progress, save data and trophies will all carry over to the full game should you choose to buy either title after this game trial expires. The game trials for Death Stranding and Sackboy uh, are available until midnight on 28th of October 2021. <laughs> Strange wrong car. I mean, we, we've seen EA do this with, with um, EA Access and EA Play now, obviously. But you just get a 10-hour trial and then you've got 10 hours to play. I mean, every, I think recent weeks everyone's used that for FIFA. In the coming, in the next month, people use that for Battlefield. But a six-hour trial from the time of download, that's probably my main takeaway from this, Carl, is some people, I'm not saying it'll take all of the six hours to download it, but, yeah, if you put it on when you go to work, and you forget about it when you come home. You've screwed up your trial. It seems seems counterproductive. I don't get why you'd maybe shorten the time, give people a three-hour trial or something like that, but it's when the game's ready. Seems a bit strange, that decision to me. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I mean, I think it's a cool idea, and clearly given that it's just two games for a limited time, this is just a, a trial of of the trial system so to speak and um, so I, i'd hope there's going to be tweaks made because I, I i don't think offering a you know five hour or six hour trial whatever the case might be depending on the the game size is the right way to go because as you say some people have awful connections it could take them the entirety of that that time span to get the game downloaded it could take them two or three times that time span to get the game downloaded so it's just not viable for them. You know, they're even to cut it down to, to you know, to two hours even um, from the moment you launch the game, that that would be fine. Um, but including download time, it's, it's just not plausible because people have very different speeds. Mm. Some um, people will get a sick, like a five-hour trial of Death Stranding and others will get like an hour trial of Death Stranding. It's very, it, it seems a bit weird as is a, yeah, it's 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 just it's certainly a head scratcher as far as the approach goes, and I'd be shocked if they decide to to stick with this trial system. And I hope they do. We've talked in the past how we we hope that the console providers would bring in some sort of trial for games, so that we could kind of try before we buy. But that you know we we agree. You know, I think it was in relation to an indie studio who complained about it because people were completing their game and then getting a refund. Um, and we don't want to see that. I, I think I think the time, the length of the trial should be 
based on the time it takes to complete the game on average at 100%. But I, I have always wanted to see a, a trial system like this instigated on the console marketplaces. So I'm hoping this is a sign of things to come and I'm hoping it sticks around. But I, I do think that this is a revision that's required for this this to, to, to succeed, you know, to be a, a popular service would be that it, it's based on your play time completely rather than any download time. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, let's get into what we're here to talk about. As the news does tend to take a lot of the show, but I mean, Carl, we, we, we've got, a, well, we've got one big event from Nintendo and then obviously the Tokyo Game Show to talk about. I, I think we both agreed you've obviously watched a lot more of the Tokyo Game Show than me because it is a Carl event, let's be honest. Um, <laughs> but we both seem to, when, when you wrote down what was there, we both seem to be a bit meh about it, but I mean, it's obviously more your thing. I mean, how how did you feel about it overall? Uh, yeah, um, there wasn't much to write home about when it came to to TGS. To to be honest, I mean, I I, I was glad they, in a way, that they kind of stuck with it. You know, despite the the pandemic and and being unable to have the the events in person. I'm glad they decided to kind of take a leaf out of the, the, the books of the likes of E3 and, and give it a go with some showcases. But I think it was apparent for all to see that that any most things of note had been kind of held for, you know, the E3 and the, the PlayStation showcase we had a few weeks ago that we talked about and obviously the Nintendo Direct that we're about to talk about. Um, I, I think... 90% or, or, you know, maybe 99% of announcements had already been used up. This was very much just a, a repackaging of news for the, the Japanese audience. And even then, I'd, I'd have con- some questions about, about how they, they went about that. Um, you know, so so really, I could have watched none of these showcases, and I, I, I don't think I, I would have missed out on much. Um, which which is a shame because you know in the past there has been um, some really momentous announcements, particularly for the likes of Square Enix and Capcom when it comes to to, to TGS. So it's it's a shame that they seemingly have, have somewhat turned their back on their home nations and and that the the focus is is now completely on E3 and and the other events that surround it. Yeah, but we'll we'll start with the good. We'll start with the Nintendo Direct, which was uh, about a week and a half ago, I think. Um, but obviously, we haven't had a show in that time. But we'll, we'll go through this because I mean, there's a lot of crossover here. I mean, that's what kind of what we figured out uh, by looking at the games. But I, we'll go through the ones you highlighted, Carl, because it's it basically the ones you've picked out are basically the ones that I picked out as well. Um, the first one you picked out was Voice of Cards: The Isle Dragon Roars. This looked interesting to me. I mean, if people um, are listening, didn't see the direct one, there's probably one checking out. It's like a card game. It's almost Gwentish, which uh, for me, you know, straight away. <laughs> um, but yeah, this looked like a really interesting um, take on a game. Yeah, I mean, it's a really interesting premise. You know, as you said, we, we had plenty of card games in the past that the likes of Gwent and... Um, Hearthstone and and the likes, and um, we we've also had RPGs where cards play a a large part um, in, in the past as well. 
Um, but this is it's kind of like almost like a, a. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over seventy percent of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com/people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost fifty pounds. Salads generally, for most people, are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. New take on on those approaches in that this is an RPG based around cards, but the, the cards are completely central to it. Like the the cards are your characters, the the whole you know. So it's it's like a card game with a story. And um, I mean, I, I'm not. Don't quote me. I'm not saying this is completely unique. That there there are no other games like this, and it wouldn't surprise me if there are a couple out there, particularly in the indie space. But it's not something that I've personally encountered or, or indeed played. So it's 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 intriguing to to me, and like it looks it looks fantastic visually, um, and obviously it it, it involves um, the creative mind behind the Near series, mm-hmm. uh, Yoko Taro, um, and you know we his. His stock is very high at the moment, obviously, with the likes of, of Nier Automata and, you know, the the Nier series is one of the, you know, you, you could argue, well, it's not quite a Final Fantasy or a Dragon Quest or a Persona. It, it is right up there for one of the most popular RPG series at the moment. Um, and it's it's largely down to, to him and his, his crazy, uh, <laughs> crazy narratives. Um, so I think you can trust that that um, this this game will will be strong when it comes to to its its story, and that there'll be it'll have a lot of unique edges that that you might not find in in other games, um, and and given that as I said the concept itself is is fairly unique, um, it, it's just something different, and it's nice to just see something that's not the same old. RPGs and that. Although I love RPGs, yeah, it it, it certainly looks interesting. As I say, and uh, it'd be one I pick. I'd pick. Oh, I mean, what's it? Is it just the? Is it just Nintendo and PC? It's coming out. For? 
Wikipedia, where are you when I need you? Uh, it looks like it's coming out on PlayStation as well, actually. Um, but yeah, we'll see. We'll see what it comes out. But it certainly looks interesting, and it'd be one I'd pick up if it comes out on Xbox or whatever. Next one we've highlighted is, and I, I'm blaming Carl for this because he got me excited about this game. Then I watched it. And it was a Mario Kart with a crap skin. <laughs> um, it's Choc- it's Chocobo uh, GP. I-, I was expecting the full Chocobo experience here, but it is just a kart racer. It it, it didn't look any it didn't look anywhere near close to Mario Kart. It didn't look close to like Sega Kart. It it, it didn't look too good to me, Carl. Yeah, so I mean, um, there was a Jacobo racing game back on the PS One. And obviously the PS1 didn't have Mario Kart, you know, so other games kind of had their their chance to to shine. Um, Obviously Crash Team Racing is uh, above all, was probably the the, the most popular car title on on PlayStation. No, you're a big, big fan. Um, But, you know, Jacobo Racing, it was a, a mediocre title. Um, and then this series kind of died off there. But there were rumors a few years ago that it was getting a, a remake for um, for for the the Switch, and then nothing ever really came about it. Um, and then with Jacobo, the announcement of Jacobo GP, which is is um, you know that Square are apparently classing as a sequel to Jacobo Racing. Uh, many people thought that. You know, it could just be the case that they they initially planned to remake the game and then decided to to spin it off um, into to a a sequel rather. But it it does feel that you know maybe that's held it back somewhat because it 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 doesn't seem like this game is is reinventing the the wheel. Um, you know, I think in a lot of ways it. It is like a a remake of Jacobo Racing, so unfortunately, I mean, you're probably gonna have the depth of a PS1 game there. It won't look like a PS1 game, but it might play like one in 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 terms of of how shallow it is, and and that's unfortunate. I'm I'm hoping maybe that it can prove us wrong. I'm I'm a big fan of kart racers, and I I pick up most. I mean, if if I see a kart racer that gets a decent rating I'll, I'll give it a go so uh, i'll be keeping my eye on this one particularly as a, a final fantasy fan um but the, the early signs aren't great you know I, I don't think we have something that that's quite gonna threaten the likes of mario kart or, or cross team racing uh for now yeah i think that's it. i think it you have to be a final fantasy fan to appreciate it which is pretty it's an obvious statement when, when it's a, ch- a chuckable game, but I think you have to be a mental fan, fantasy fan to pick this over a Mario Kart, etc. So yeah, I think that'll that'll test the uh, the fandom of, of Mario Kart. Right, we'll get into the next one now. Right? Super Smash Bros. Uh, new char- final character uh, is going to be revealed at time of recording tomorrow, but maybe, well, maybe just as this is released, we might know who the new character is. And, any rumours or anything? Again, I've played I've played Smash Bros. a little bit. I'm not really asked about character reveals and stuff like that, but 
anyone from the the Nintendo fandom that's been uh, rumored or whatever? I, I haven't actually seen any rumors as yet, um, and I I think it's because pe- people expect it to be something completely out of left field. Um, you know, we we've kind of known all along that there's there's two types of of DLC character for Smash Bros. There's the Nintendo chosen characters, um, which can be about kind of just making easy choices or maybe trying to make friends with, with other companies, you know, as they try to, to kind of uh, grease the wheels, so to speak. And then there are the choices that that come from the, the main man himself. Um, and I I have a feeling that it's going to be a, a Sakurai choice for, for this final character. Warrior. Um, no, Waluigi. <laughs> What's his name? The one who's not in it. I can't believe you said his name. Uh, Waluigi. That's the one. Yeah. I can't, I can't um, say that. That'd be hilarious. Like, yeah. I, I, I don't think it will be, but <laughs> that, that would that would be great. Like, um, but no, I, I, I think it'll be something out of left field that that Sakurai has probably had in mind. Um, I, I don't think they're going to disappoint, you know, by announcing, oh, it's here's your fifteenth Fire Emblem character. <laughs> I don't, I don't think it's going to be anything like that. I, I think this is going to be something that that uh, completely needs more high kind of blows, blows the minds. <laughs> yeah, like I, I think we're going to see some blown minds here and among the the fan base for this game uh, i think it'll be a, a big surprise whatever character it is i, I don't think there'd be you know i, I think it, it's a big step for them to announce at the direct that there'll be an announcement mm-hmm. you know so they're building this up and i know it's a big deal regardless because it is the last dlc character and I do believe them on that. I know a lot of people would, would suggest, oh, no, they'll just go announce another fighter pass next year. I don't think so. I think they'll be moving on to something new after this, you know, in a well, few he, years. He said that himself, it. didn't he? He said this will be the last news about um, Smash Bros. Ultimate, I think he said. I believe yeah, that's what he said. I, 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 think, I think this will see it as a finished product. Mm. Um, so I'm I'm intrigued to see who this character is, is going to be. Um I, I mean, I'm I'm a I'm a fan of Smash Bros. I haven't played as much of it as as I'd like up to this point, but I, I always kind of plan to pick up the the fighter packs once all the characters are announced. Mm-hmm. So um, I'll, I'll be watching this tomorrow, and and then I'll I'll look to to get them on the go, and then kind of have the complete roster then in in my mind. So it, it, it's exciting to see who it is, and uh, as I said, I'm I'm expect, expecting a curveball. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. I mean, it would be funny if it was just a random dude from, like, Persona or something like that. Uh, nobody's bothered about. But, yeah, I mean, it It doesn't seem... A, a, I don't seem to understand the fanfare of it, but it is obviously huge. I mean, a character announcement getting its own show, it's... Smash Bros, it, it's obviously bigger than I can comprehend. It's, uh, it, it's interesting to see how it got its own... Uh, Sure, rather than just putting it in as the big announcement for this. Um, 
Next up, then, we had uh, Kirby and the Forgotten Land. Again, if if you played the Kirby games in the past, but this, what do you call it, 3D platformer, it, it looked nice. It, it looked pretty. It, it's just a Kirby game, so it doesn't really interest me that much. Yeah, I mean, I loved the, the 2D Kirby games way back when. Um, I, I was always a big fan of playing them on the likes of the, the Game Boy um, I, I've never actually played any of the the 3D editions, but I know they had they're very popular among Nintendo fans, and I know people have been dying for a new Kirby game. There's just been a lot of false starts, um. So I, I'd say for a lot of people, this was potentially the the, the biggest announcement uh, at the direct. Um, and as you say, it looks looks fantastic. I mean, I don't play too many 3D platformers these days. I'll, I'll dabble with the, the odd one. Um, I think playing um, Astro Bot on the PS5 um, obviously would have been a built-in title. You're always going to give it a try. I really enjoyed that. And that's kind of given me a, you know, kind of a, a desire to, to try a few others. And, and there's a couple I have my eye on. But I, I'm not sure I'm, I'm ever going to play Kirby because, as I said... Um, I never actually tried any of the 3D titles in the past. But, you know, from the outside looking in, as I said, it looks beautiful. And I can I can see why a lot of Kirby fans are going to be really excited about this one. Yeah, again, maybe I just don't... I'm not a Nintendo guy, people. We've been over this. Um, one I want... Well, I, I don't know. Should I be excited about this? Or do I just wait... A very long time because I'm an Xbox person for the remake. Um, Star Wars: Knights of the Old Republic uh, coming out November 11th on the Switch. Uh, obviously, somewhat updated and stuff like that. But yeah, I mean, we don't know how long the remaster is away, uh, especially for Nintendo people because they'll probably be waiting even longer than Xbox people. Um, yeah, I mean, it's good news for people who have never experienced, or maybe just people who want to re go back on it on a modern console properly um but yeah it's a bit weird now we have the remaster news do you really want to play it and then play a remaster of it i, I wouldn't really want to do that it, it's nice to have the option mm. I, I mean because right now if someone wants to play knights of the old republic on a modern console or, or i put modern in, in air quotes they need to either need to have a an Xbox with a, a disc drive and have a copy of the original game, which technically I do, but not a lot of people are going to. Um, or they need to they need to choose to play it on PC, and and we know some people aren't and massive fans mm-hmm. of playing their games on PC. You can buy um, a backwards compatible thing, but yeah, it's. A... Oh, oh! You can, oh, I was. I, I knew you it can. was on yeah, Game think, Pass at one point, yeah. the first one, but I think they removed it. Um, so I, I thought that was it was I'm gone off sure the store. You can buy it, yeah. I'll I'll check whilst you're speaking. But um, we've seen w- with a lot of the other Star Wars games, so like Republic Commando, Racer, uh, a couple of the Jedi Knight games, they have all come to to modern consoles. Bounty Hunter, another one. And you can obviously just get get on and for a few quid download them and play them on your console. Um, and it surprised me that Knights of the Old Republic hadn't been given that treatment as yet. Um, so it, it's just nice to give people options. I'm sure the second game will follow in the near future. 
Um, I look forward to when Limited Run announces an inevitable physical collection of the two, and I'll, I'll be certainly picking that up. Um, but as you say, it is kind of a conundrum when even if you're in the position where you've always wanted to play the games and it hasn't been convenient, and now suddenly this makes it convenient, if you know that a remake is just down the road, there is going to be that temptation to, to wait, even if it is 12 months, 18 months, 24 months, whatever the case might be. Um, but it still is nice that, that people will have that option. It seems to be still on, on the store. Um, let's see. Da, 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 da. £9.19. Pence. There you go. Not bad. Not too bad. I think the sequel's on there as well. Um, but yeah, it is, it is a good chance for people to play. I mean, if you never did play, it was... I don't think I ever finished it, but I was like half a year old. Which is obviously hyperbole. Hyperbole. Um, hyperbole. Why can't I speak? I can't even unmute myself when I'm reading stuff. <laughs> um, but yeah, it is. Um, it will be good for some people to experience because, as we say, we don't know when the remaster will be out. And we we've seen in stuff like the Final Fantasy one. They don't obviously have to make it frame by frame. They can can add in their own spin as well. So it'll be interesting to see. Um, I'm going to add one one in here, Carl. Dying Light 2, which we've seen a lot of. But maybe it's just because there's not many games coming out, or there is a few coming out in the winter. But the more I see this game, the more I'm kind of interested in it. And that I'm not usually into the horror-type games, but I think... I don't know, maybe it's just the fact I'm not really excited for anything else. But this game does look good, and I'm kind of becoming more and more tempted to get it. Yeah, I mean, I've I've wanted to play the first game for for some time now. Like, I I quite enjoyed Dead Island back back in the day, and and yeah, there was a lot of problems with it, and and it could get repetitive. But there was a lot of fun to be had with with Dead Island, and then Dying Light came out, and and people said it it just took all the good things from Dead Island and turned it up to ten. Um, I know a lot of people are huge fans of that game, and it, it seems like that the second one's just going to take it even even further. Um, it was kind of a surprise in a way that it's going to be available on Nintendo Switch. We, we've seen that with a few games that kind of to get around the fact that the Switch couldn't possibly run these games, um, that they offer a streaming version, like a cloud version of the game, and obviously that that's what this is going to be. Um, I'm still not sure that would be my preferred way to to play these games. But again, it's all about options. And and it is nice that people who exclusively play on the Switch will will get the opportunity to to experience this game, assuming they have a a worthwhile internet connection. Um, (laughs) I mean, but the game itself is certainly on my radar and and one I'll be be watching closely when it, it releases next year. Yeah, I think that it does help. There's not much else coming out, but yeah, I think I think there's co-op and stuff on it as well, so it might be one I can play with mates as well. Um, next one you picked out is Triangle Strategy, which I think we saw at E3, which is the it's like a two D strategy XCOMI type game. That's probably the crap way of describing it, but it does it does look nice. It's it's a very nice art style and um. Octopath Traveler art style. That's probably how you you could mention it if you if you haven't seen it yet. But it, I remember you picking this one out before. 
Yeah, I think that this was originally revealed last year as Project Triangle Strategy. And just like with Product Octopath Traveler in the past, they just simply removed the word project and stuck with the title. Um, I mean, this is while Octopath Traveler was kind of an homage to, you know, kind of some of the, the, the classic Final Fantasies for particularly Final Fantasy VI. Uh, Triangle Strategy is is definitely an homage to, to Final Fantasy Tactics. And we don't really get... There are there are games like that. Um, like For example, there was a couple of years ago, the Fate Seal Arbiter's Mark, which, which got uh, some plaudits. Um, but the, the strategy RPG series uh, genre, it, it's it's not as popular as it once was in, in terms of development. Like We don't see as many titles for it. There are some... Um, but there aren't many, and, and there, there's not too many that that uh, would be of um, a particular quality. Um, so it's it's great to see this. You know, Octopath Traveler was a real hit. Um, a lot of people dig that art style. I'm I'm quite fond of it too, and it's nice that they're keeping it going for for Triangle Strategy here. I think they're also going to be using a similar art style for the remake of Dragon Quest Three, which is coming out in the the not so distant future. Um, so it's 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 nice to see kind of these these teams within Square Enix getting to to work on on these projects um, because you know it, it feels like Square Enix are offering a lot of different kind of RPGs these days. There's something for everyone, um, which is the way you want it. You know, a, a point that felt like there was maybe too much of a move. Uh, towards kind of just modernizing RPGs, and, and that'd be a real shame if if they were to to leave their their kind of heritage behind. Um, so it's it's nice to see it, and, and this is certainly one that I'll I'll be picking up when it releases in March. Yeah, it certainly looks very nice. Uh, next thing to talk about is uh, the Nintendo Switch Online expansion pack, which we uh, I think we talked about in the last show. With Nintendo 64 games coming to... We haven't got the pricing strategy and stuff yet. But we're getting Nintendo 64 games added. And Sega Mega Drive games added. When I saw Echo the Dolphin, it went back to my childhood. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But it's certainly interesting. I mean, everyone loves the Nintendo 64. Whoever played it. I was a Sega Mega Drive kid, so there was a few games there I loved. Um... Unless it's a stupid price, this just makes complete sense business-wise for Nintendo and just adding the library of games people can access, it's free money. Yeah, um, I mean, it's a nice little feature, you know, kind of the, the NES and, and SNES games that, that are available currently and it's cool that they've added in features such as online so you can jump on and play a couple of games of Mario Kart against your mate, for example. Um, and there's long been questions on whether they're going to expand that further and bring other platforms because, you know, there, there was once upon a time, the Wii Virtual Console was like the way to legitimately play retro games. But obviously, there's emulation. that that's, that's always an option if you want to go down that route. But in, in terms of keeping it legitimate, there wasn't great options 
until the Wii came along with the virtual console and, you know, starting with the likes of the NES, but eventually adding SNES, N64, Game Boy, Game Boy Advance, and then even other platformers like the the aforementioned TurboGrafx-16, the Sega Master System, the Sega Mega Drive, and then suddenly when they decided to shut down that service, all of them were gone. The Wii U Virtual Console never got anywhere near those heights because the Wii U wasn't around that long, let's let's be honest. And although the 3DS had, had some options, they, they weren't to that degree. So people have always wondered if we'd get other consoles and, and other consoles from, from other companies on the Switch Online eventually. And it seems the answer is yes, um, because we are getting the N64 and the Mega Drive and strong rumors would suggest the Game Boy and Game Boy Advance are soon to follow. Um, so it's it's nice. And although, you know, as they're calling it, the expansion pack, which is, is funny when you link it to, to the fact the N- Nintendo 64 had the, the expansion pack that you'd shove in the controller. Um or no, not in the controller, rather, sorry, that was a rumble pack, uh, in the, the console so that you could extend its RAM. Um, and because it, it it's an add-on pack, it's going to cost a little bit of extra money. But I can't see it being any more than maybe an extra five, ten quid a, a year. And obviously, Nintendo Online is already fairly cheap, uh, especially if you have a family pack, which a lot of people do, whether it be with their actual family or, or maybe with some friends. Um, so it, it's not much of a cost, and, and the offering of games is, is quite impressive. It's a nice little selection of Mega Drive games start and a nice little selection of N64 games. And, and some of the games they've already announced that will be added for N64 down the line, the likes of Majora's Mask, for example, are, are some real heavy hitters. Um, and they, they have promised that there's even more to come in, in terms of NES and SNES titles as well. So, I mean... This is a, a resource of, of games that, that's rarely tapped. I, I've only dabbled with the Nintendo Switch Online games a, a couple of times myself, and there's some quality titles on there, so it's it's just nice that they're, they're just going to be expanding that further. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, next up, then, we have Castlevania Advanced Collection. Again, back on the back of the anime, it's something I'd, I'd, I'd want to experience as the Castlevania games. And then you went and told me on WhatsApp the best one's a PlayStation exclusive. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it's it, it's just it's just good. It's just good for people who want to experience them games again, or maybe the first time they experience them. Yeah, um, I mean, I, I touched on this earlier. Um, it, you know, Sin- uh, Castlevania Symphony of the Night is the kind of penultimate game in, in the or not penultimate rather I mean it's the last um it, it's like the 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 most critically acclaimed that the fan favorite that any plaudit you can give it is a fantastic and many people often place it among kind of their top 10 games of all time I mean it's that level of title and the the games that followed on the Game Boy Advance um, and the the DS ultimately were its spiritual successors because obviously the, the the mainline console Castlevania games moved into the the there was one more on the PS1 but then following that then it was it was into the PS2 and they moved into 3D inevitably and on the N64 there were 3D games as well and while 
you know they they have to to their own degrees their their popular titles they they never quite reached the the level of symphony of the night and and but the games on game boy and and ds very much followed on that legacy um but they're you know because they were tied to those handhelds and they haven't really ever released anywhere else except on on the uh virtual console on the wii i believe they're not accessible and those games are very very expensive like if you go on ebay and try and buy one of those games even for the cartridge alone you're probably going to be talking you know 40 50 quid and they, they're not cheap so the idea that they're available the three of them along with a, another game dracula x which was an snes game that the, the the four games are on one collection for 20 20 euro or what about 15 pound it's a no-brainer if, if you've ever been interested in trying these games or if, or especially if you're a fan of Castlevania like myself. So th- this is one I was very excited to see. And it wasn't a surprise because we knew it was coming. I think we even talked about it on the show a, a few weeks ago uh, due to, um, I think, ratings leaks. Yeah. Um, so we, yeah. we knew it was coming, but we were hoping it was coming sooner rather than later. And it, it was really nice that it was just one of those day and date launches because I think nothing beats when you, you see in a game and you're thinking, when's it coming out? And they're like available today. Like th- there's nothing better than that. Yeah. And that, that seems to be what you get from Nintendo more than the other big ones as well. It's a, it's a nice thing they've got there, but another one that's day and date is act Razor Renaissance, which it, it looked very nice to be honest. It looked like they've added new content as well. Cause this is a, remake remaster isn't it so they've added new content as well but it did look interesting you've got the um the city building aspects and you've also got the uh how would you word it platformer a side scroller i don't know what would you call it it looked nice though yeah so it's it's like a side scrolling action rpg i mean it, it adds some similarities to the the castlevania games for, for example but then as well as that there's kind of like a city builder slash tower defense game and i, I think that's why people love the the original now I, I never got the chance to play the original but i'm I'm certainly aware of its reputation and i think it's just it was completely unique and it was never quite emulated i know there was a, a sequel but people weren't big on the sequel and then recently there was a, an indie attempt to do a spiritual successor and it bombed critically. I think, I think actually I say it's indie, but I'm pretty sure Sega published it. I can't, I can't think of the title of the game offhand. Uh, Soul Seraph or I think it might've been Soul Seraph. Um, but it bombed, like it bombed critically. Um, so fans of the game just dying for, for something new in this vein for a long time and i don't think anyone was expecting this like this was completely out of left field i like i i keep up on rpg news and i hadn't seen any rumors about act razor coming back so as i said i like it's exciting when they announce something's day and date even if it's something that was completely telegraphed like the castlevania advanced collection so I raise you a game that no one expected and that a lot of people have wanted for a long time and putting that day and date. I mean, it, it just, it made the direct for a lot of people. Yeah, and it certainly looked good. It certainly looked good. Um, it'd be interesting to see uh, 
what the new content is and and, and how it's uh, well i'm sure it's got reviews and stuff now but it'll be interesting to see what the early uh, um indications are of how well it's made um next up we've got three well, two and a half big pieces of news the mario movie car chris pratt as mario Ah, yeah, that's the main one. <laughs> I can't even remember the other one. Char- is it Charlie Day? I, I can't remember. Is he Luigi? I can't remember who he's playing. Hold Charlie on. Day is Luigi. Jack Black is Bowser. Oh, yeah, that was it. And then I can't remember the last his name is Peach. Not someone I'm familiar with. Yeah, I wasn't too um, familiar with her myself either. Um, <clears throat> the And then the original voice cast let me just uh do sorry the original voice of of mario um is kind of has a form of uh cameo and will be kind of involved in in the overall voice production which is nice to see that continuity we we knew you know they were going to stick with the the voice for the movie they were going to get a big star um but it it is cool that that's um they're they're given that uh that opportunity that they're, they're kind of given that nod to the actual games it's it's a nice kind of um legacy there um it, it's actually anya taylor joy um who I think played it. the lead in that the netflix series the queen's gambit oh, um, most recently is, yeah. is is playing princess peach and seth rogan will be playing donkey kong as despite it being a mario film donkey kong will be present although technically mario originated in donkey kong Mm. so i suppose it makes sense in a way um and oh keegan michael key is toad um is another notable uh name Uh, there yeah i remember that i remember that it is weird because I think obviously you'd compare this to the Sonic movie, which came out two years ago, maybe a year ago, time and all that, non-existent during the pandemic. Um, but Sonic doesn't have a; he has a somewhat recognizable voice, but it's not exactly an iconic voice, you'd say. So that kind of worked with Jim Carrey, and I can't remember who vo- uh, voiced Sonic, but Mario has a voice. So having Chris Pratt, who Again, it's quite recognisable. It's a bit... I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how it works. Yeah, I mean, I love Chris Pratt, but at the same time, I, I wouldn't necessarily picture him as the, the voice of Mario. Um, so, yeah, no, I understand. I, I kind of shared that, that, that thought. It's, it's cool because, you know, Chris Pratt or Chris Pratt, but at the same time, you're like, is Chris Pratt Mario? I suppose time will tell on that one. Um, I trust it because, uh, you know, Illumination is a great studio. I mean, I, I love the, the Despicable Me and, and Minions films. Um, so I, I think it's in good hands there. Obviously, Nintendo as well are, are kind of hands-on to a, to a degree because they, they don't want a shit show here. They, they've been very protective of putting their properties on film for a long, long time. Um, I think kind of some of the crappy cartoons back in the 80s and, and of course, uh, the infamous original Super Mario Bros. movie has, has kind of put them off. So uh, I think I'd, I don't think this would be happening if it wasn't going to be 
like a top end animated movie. Like a, I think this will be a hit. Yeah, I think as long as it doesn't well, don't screw up like Sonic where he looks nothing like Sonic. Um yeah, it should it should, it should make money, but it'd be interesting to see obviously Mario continues to be a phenomenon when it comes to games, but obviously with cinema it's a it's a different experience. Can can you get a market of children, obviously, by then to uh, to fall in love with the character, but I mean, yeah, the game seemed to be popular with, with multiple generations, so yeah, I don't see why not. Um, probably the next two, the two of the bigger announcements Splatoon 3. Um, if you liked Splatoon, you'll play Splatoon 3. That's that seems to be my takeaway from a, from a Splatoon game. Yeah, I mean, we, we knew this one was coming, it had just been quiet for a little while. Um, so. Um, it's you know we we know a little bit more uh, about it than than we did before. I, I just find it kind of funny the way they they go about the the Splatoon announcements, where it's like kind of the dude in the lab coat and they they kind of pretend like they're studying this strange creature, and you know it's, it's always a bit of fun. Um, Splatoon games are are fun; they're a hit. It's no surprise that Nintendo have kind of doubled down on that that series since it's um conception I and mean, it's probably one of the the few positive things to come from the wii u era um so i mean that's at the end of the day what what nintendo need to do you know same with, with kirby as we talked about earlier you know they, they gotta build on the the popularity of these characters and these series and and just keep putting out the the steady titles they they have all along because you know, while they can try and have, uh, you know, a, a big AAA title like Dying Light in, in cloud form, that that's not going to be for everyone. It won't even work for some people because they, they won't have the internet infrastructure to, to support cloud gaming. So, you know, their bread and butter is always going to be these these exclusives. Um, so the more they get out, the, the better for, for the Switch, in, in my mind. Yeah, and same could be said of uh, Bayonetta 3 as well, which has been a long-awaited sequel. I, I remember the fanfare on the first one, uh, and even the second one. Um, but yeah, it's probably been long-awaited and, and long-rumoured as well. It, it, again, if you liked Bayonetta 1 and 2, th- this is for you. But it, I, Bayonetta, I'm sure Bayonetta 1 won like, fistfuls of, of awards. So yeah, big expectations for this one. Yeah, I mean, I, I love the original bayonetta i mean it's it's a quality game it's it's um obviously it's a spiritual successor to devil may cry and it it wears that on its sleeve and but i'd even argue maybe that the bayonetta surpassed devil may cry and i think uh, wouldn't be too many people who to disagree with that point um so but this game you know we were concerned about it for a long time um it it went quiet like this game was announced in 2017 um i mean that's been four years and i know a game can take four years to develop but for it to be so quiet after mm. the initial announcement um and then suddenly you're hearing about platinum games developing this game and that game and the other game and you you know you couldn't help but have that that worry in the back of your mind that that uh it could potentially be quietly cancelled and, and that would be a real disappointment because you know it's it's as I said it's just it's a cracking game series and 
you know the the more the better in in my mind um so i'm I'm just so glad that it it hasn't been cancelled and that that we are going to see um this game eventually we we still don't quite know when 2022 but you know is that early 2022 is that late 2022 time will tell i suppose on that front um but i mean if if we look at that these announcements all in all i mean being at a three splatoon three um and kirby are all slated for 2022 as as a nintendo exclusives even if they have nothing else in in terms of first party exclusives that's a that's a very strong lineup uh well i suppose bayonetta 3 would be technically second party but it's, mm. it's nonetheless an exclusive so and you add I mean, that for the wild 2 as well which is next year i believe is it I think it's certainly going to be revealed next year. Yeah. I, I don't know whether it'll necessarily launch next year, but it, it could well do. And if it does, like that just brings it to a completely mm-hmm. other level. Like it could be a massive, massive year for the Switch. No, and I even forgot they have obviously Pokemon Legends Arceus launching yeah. in January as well. So, you know, that's a Pokemon game, which, you know, is free money. <laughs> yeah, we, we, yeah, they print money. They're, they're going to sell no matter what. So, I mean, it, it's massive for for Nintendo to have that kind of lineup. So it's, you know, while it wasn't the the, the best direct we've ever seen, there was plenty in it, and and you it was know, a bit it for shows. Everyone, I think, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I think it shows that the Nintendo still have some some very strong hands to to play, and they they continue to do so, and and the, the Switch isn't going anywhere any anytime soon. Yeah, absolutely. And we mentioned a, a pretty strong showing from Nintendo there. I mean, we'll jump into the the Tokyo Game Show stuff, and this won't be too long, people, because there isn't loads to talk about. But we'll start with Xbox, probably the most pointless one uh, from 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 your experience. I mean, I I saw the basically the clip notes of it, and yeah, it seemed really pointless. But you you've marked a few games you you want to talk about. Do you do you, do you just want to go through them? Because uh, I mean, they're, they're very much Carl games. I did. I think most people know Scarlet Nexus, but the other one uh, you mentioned uh, that you've highlighted as well, that I had to Google that one, and I went, yep, you'll enjoy that one. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, for me, Xbox is showing at TGS. We talked about their showing at Gamescom, you know, a few weeks ago, Tradition. and how it was, yeah. I mean, the, the little documentary piece on the trebuchet was probably the, 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 the highlight of it, which which says a lot. You know, it was a lot of just repetition and just sitting down and talking to developers, quite frankly, about nothing. I, I don't mind a developer interview, but, you know, there needs to be something of substance, and there wasn't. While this showing, for me, can be summed up as basically just a Japanese advert for games and, and Xbox Cloud Gaming. I mean, that's effectively what it was. There was, you know, there, there was nothing, uh, as far as I'm aware, there was no new announcements. I mean, they they showed off briefly some indie games that, that they felt obviously would have a, an appeal in that area of the world. Um, in terms of their first party offerings, uh, I mean, they, they talked about Forza Horizon 5, but they were just kind of test like playing the game on kind of like a tablet and a laptop and talking about how Windows 11 and cloud gaming, you know, works so well with, with Forza Horizon 5, but there was nothing really about the game itself. Um, and, 
you know, with, with Fallout 76, uh, no, sorry, not Fallout 76, rather, uh, Starfield and Redfall, who was pretty much just Todd and uh, one of the developers, obviously, from the, the team uh, behind Redfall, just, just talking very briefly about the game and how it's coming in 2022. And you'd have little clips that we've seen before in previous trailers from from E3 uh, just kind of playing in the background. I mean, there was nothing of substance, not nothing new. Um, and, and it just, for me, came across largely a, as an advert for their services rather than, you know, kind of a, a game showcase, which is, is a real shame. I mean, one prediction going in, obviously, was that they would add some Japanese-centric games to Game Pass, and that's what we got with Scarlet Nexus and the Som- Somnium Files. And um, particularly Scarlet Nexus is of note, obviously. It's a, it's an RPG from, from Bandai Namco that came out a couple months ago. And it's been fairly reasonably well received. Um, Bandai have already moved on, it, it feels like, to, to Tales of Arise, which is a, an even bigger project for them. Um, but, you know, n- nonetheless, I think Scarlet Nexus is a, of note for for people like myself who are into their RPGs. Um, so it, it's nice that they're, they're adding more of those. Because, you know, let's be honest, I think they've been very good at adding Japanese-centric games to, to Game Pass in recent months. There's a lot of Final Fantasies in there, um, product, uh, Octopath Traveler, rather, went straight in there when it launched on Xbox and, and a few others. So it's cool that they, they continue to, to add those kind of games for, you know, rather than just sticking to, to indie titles and kind of your more western centric titles um but i mean really all in all for me this was just an advert for for their services which is a, a disappointment because it's not a video game showcase at all in that sense yeah i mean when i when i saw on my xbox pages i follow the when people were saying there was really no news or anything it's just like yeah probably what i would have expected going in it's just especially after gamescom as well but japan's a, a market xbox has struggled to get into or, or be one of the bigger players in since its conception it's just i don't know maybe one year they have to well they have to expand they have to get more relevant in in japan i suppose but yeah it's uh stuff like this isn't going to help at all um I mean, we've got two other showcases to talk about. Should we do Square first? I mean, reading the games, this looks like ones we've seen at every other showcase in the last few months. Is that what you'd say here? Yeah, I mean, I texted you when I was watching Square Enix, uh, you know, a couple of minutes in, and said that they opened the show by the host, um, who was a, a Japanese voice actor that has voice to a few different characters and particularly in Square Enix games among others and he he basically dropped the line that that we wouldn't be seeing Final Fantasy 16 and and reiterating that um kind of that the the uh producer behind Final Fantasy 16 said on a recent uh Final Fantasy 14 showcase because of course it's the same team working on both products that we wouldn't be seeing anything on 16 anytime soon. So I'm not sure why you felt the need to, to reiterate that, but he nonetheless did. And then they went on to show the same stuff from Forspoken that we've already seen at E3. 
Now, they did do a separate Forspoken-focused show, but I just don't understand why they couldn't have shown us a little bit from that rather than just recycling the same footage that we've seen time and time again. And then from there, we got three titles that we've already talked about today that, that were all at the Nintendo Direct uh, in the form of Triangle Strategy, Act Razor Renaissance, and Voice of Cards, The Isle Dragon Roars. And at that point, I found myself thinking, is this just going to be a complete repetition? And that's really what it was for the most part. We, we saw more of Life is Strange, um, which was interestingly that the trailer for Life is Strange was in Japanese, and then it was followed up by a trailer for Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy, which was in English. So I, I found that kind of odd that they didn't even go to the bother of having a Japanese language trailer um, for what was a, a Japanese showcase. Um, and then we did we did finally get one new thing, which was uh, Dungeon Encounters, which is a, a dungeon crawler <laughs> RPG from the director of Final Fantasy Twelve and the, the man behind Final Fantasy's active time battle system. It's his first kind of game he's led development on in, in a while. Might even be since um, Final Fantasy Twelve. I'm not too sure on that one, but it has certainly been a bit of a break for him. Um, and this was the most simplistic game I've ever seen. Like, dungeon crawlers by nature are simplistic. You don't see your characters. You just see their kind of faces on the screen usually you'll see the monster and you walk through dungeons that largely look the same because they're supposed to look the same because it's effectively a maze and they're very hardcore very punishing not not that much story in them uh, but there's definitely a niche for them a lot of people love them i'm not a huge fan because they kick your ass to be honest and i like a lot of story in my rpgs and i like exploration of kind of unique and, and diverse settings you don't get that with a with a dungeon crawler rpg but this takes simplistic to the next level i thought we were looking at the overlay map or something for a while because it effectively just shows your figure moving along white squares and that that is that that's the map for the the entirety of the game that's the the area you move around and the battles are, are very little simplistic turn-based battles and i mean i you know, I, I think straight away the visuals kind of put me off, even if I wasn't already not a fan of the mm. genre. Um, but the, the visuals for, you know, just just completely evaporated my any interest I, I may have had. Because obviously, as I said, I am the, the man behind the game is someone who um, is a massive part of a, a series that that's near and dear to my heart. But um, you know, this was just never going to do it for me. And But at the same time, as I said to you, we were discussing it off air. I do think that what draws a lot of people to this, the dungeon crawler genre is the simplicity. They just like the hardcore focus on gameplay. They're not interested in the visual. They're not interested in the story. So with this completely stripping all that back, I, I could certainly see there being an audience for this one. Yeah, I think there will be an audience. It just won't be me. <laughs> um, it, yeah, it it looked like something a student would make, and that may sound harsh because obviously he's well respected and important in Final Fantasy and stuff like that. But god damn, 
it looked like a blank board and then the simplest fighting system ever. It just looked a bit, yeah. It, it did look like something I've seen like student gamers make. It was very weird to me. But hey, anything else you want to flag up from this? No, I mean, they, they finished out with um, a trailer for Stranger of Paradise Final Fantasy or Origin and finally gave a release date, so March 18th. Um, which, like, there's a lot coming from Square Enix in the spring. You've got Forspoken, Triangle Strategy, and, and this as well. I mean, I am excited about this game. I, I'm a big fan of Team Ninja, and it's kind of unique to see kind of an action game coming out as a, as a, a prequel uh, to, to the original Final Fantasy. Um, so I'll be definitely getting on this one when it comes out. But I, I don't think that the trailer kind of showed anything particularly new aside from from giving us the, the release date. So, But again, as I said, for the most part, this was just complete repetition. And aside from this release date and dungeon encounters, there was nothing new. And again, I, I, I felt like my, my time was wasted somewhat, to be honest. Well, more waste of time for you, 505 Games. Um, with the saddest sounding interpreter I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> just, just could not be arsed translating to English, which is fair enough. Who can be, to be honest? Um, yeah, it's, I, you've picked out a few farming games for me, but like I, I was trying to watch the showcase in, in preparation for the show, but it just seemed like a confused mess. Yeah, I mean, it was part showcase, part celebration of their 15-year anniversary. I mean, we saw a lot of the developers that have worked with them pop up with Kojima and Igarashi and a few other big names. Um, but, I mean, when it came to actually showcasing the games, you know, you had the, the host would kind of read out almost like a, a news brief. You don't know why they weren't just press released, to be honest. And then we'd see kind of a, a clip of the game. And then there was a point where they talked about, I think it was uh, Rescue Party Live and Unturned Elver. They showed little kind of trailers for each and then loop back to talk about Rescue Party Live and then to talk about Unturned. Um, and it was just, as you say, really, really messy. Um, I mean, they had Assetto Corsa Competition A that's... A, Forgive me, my Italian's terrible. Um, and that was effectively just showing a, a little kind of piece on a 90-odd-year-old Japanese man who unfortunately died a few months ago who was a big fan of the previous title and showed him playing there with his his, uh, his racing wheel and how the, the company had sent him out a kind of a goodie bag and, and things like that. But they didn't actually talk about the game whatsoever. And then they went on to kind of an extended piece on Aude and Chronicle Rising. And they had um, some of the, the producers there and showed off um, some of the gameplay and, and commentated on it and spoke, spoke a little about the, the main Aude and Chronicle game that's coming out in 2023. Um, I mean, I, I was a Kickstarter backer for this game, so I, I am very excited about it, but it wasn't an exciting way to present the game. And if I wasn't covering it for the podcast, I probably want to turn this one off many times. I mean, I, I it's new to 505 games. I, as far as I'm aware, they haven't done a showcase before. 
we've seen with other companies in the past, the first one's never the best. So maybe they'll come back stronger in the future. But yeah, I'm not sure they should have wasted their time with this one. Yeah, I think if it wasn't for the anniversary, maybe they wouldn't have. But yeah, it was. Uh, even if I didn't watch all of it, it was very it was painful whilst it lasted. But yeah, it'll be. Yeah. Yeah, but that's pretty much it. Unless there's anything else I've missed, Carl. No, that that's it as far as uh, TGS goes. I mean, I, I I think outside that, there was just kind of a, a larger showing of uh, SNK just showed off King of Fighters 15, and Capcom just showed off um, the new expansion for Monster Hunter Rising. Mm-hmm. Uh, rather than have a, having overall showcases, they they were very focused on singular games, um, and no, I don't think anyone else gonna had anything to to show there. So fair enough. I mean, we've gone long anyway. Might as well. Have you been playing anything in the last few weeks? We've not. We've not done a pod. I've been playing Spider-Man Miles Morales. Ooh, fancy. Um, it's it's excellent. I don't know why I procrastinated on on. I mean, I bought my PlayStation Five for this game. I don't know why I procrastinated on it for so long, especially being the big Spider-Man fan that I am. But I finally jumped in, and I'm completely hooked i'm disappointed in knowing that it's a short game and it's going to end soon um because it's just like i mean we've waxed lyrical on here about spider-man in in the past and this is just more the same but it feels fresh in some ways and that because you're playing as miles rather than spider-man he's he's got a few different abilities a few different tricks up his his sleeve um and it's just it's just there, there's no feeling like swinging around New York as Spider-Man. It, 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 the 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 feeling of freedom, you know, of you know, for for me as someone who's terrified, deadly terrified of heights, um, it's just nice to to be able to get to get in there and and do it. So, um, I mean, I I can't praise this this game enough. It just makes me think that I I cannot wait for. Insomniac's Wolverine and and of course Spider-Man 2 um, because anything they seem to touch relating to superheroes just just turns to gold. Um, what have you been playing lately? Uh, b- 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 Halo Beta or in, I don't know what the hell they're calling it. Called like Inside a Program or something like that. So I played that. It's good. It feels like a modernish Halo. It, it, it's obviously only well, I'll say Beta for the want of not saying that um it feels nice it feels fresh there's a few new guns in there that feel quite nice um hasn't blown my mind or anything like that but the the beta was big team and i've always preferred your small team slayer and stuff like that so we'll we'll see but yeah it looks promising i'm still annoyed with 343 for how it's getting delivered but it looks nice been on Overwatch a bit. FIFA just come out, so I've been on that wasting money stupidly, of course. Um, the I haven't played it yet, obviously, but the Battlefield beta is out at the end of the week, so that'll be nice. Get to play that, and I think I might get Far Cry as well, which is out later in the week. And I think I don't think the reviews are out yet, but some some of the reviewers have hinted that it's quite good to play. Um, so yeah, almost a busy week, but next time we do a pod, whenever that is, um, it might even be pretty, 
unless something breaks, we might, it might be not till the uh, the game awards, but hopefully we get something in between them. But yeah, a busy week um, in terms of stuff to play, I think. Yeah, no, it's we're definitely getting into that um, time of the year where a lot of game, the games are coming thick and fast, um, you know, the October, November periods in the run up to, to the holidays. So um, I'm sure we won't be, even if you don't have anything in your, your backlog right now, I'm sure pe- people will find things to play in, in the weeks to come. Yeah, exactly. Exactly, and hopefully, well, by the time you've listened to this, you'll probably have wasted about a week anyway, <laughs> so hopefully that's cool sometime for you, because it has been a long one. But thank you, everyone, especially, well, you're only hearing it if you've got this far, but thank you if you've got this far, especially. Uh, goodbye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.